Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ahead on the Believe in Steelers show, I'll share my thoughts on the Ravens signing of Odell Beckham Jr. and why I think it makes sense. I'll also get into the grim details of the lawsuit filed by the family of the late Dwayne Haskins. Welcome to the Believe in Steelers show. I'm your host, Mark Bergen. First, we will start with the wrath of Khan continuing. The Steelers getting more reinforcements, signing safety Tanner Muse and defensive tackle Armin Watts. I'll start with Muse. This information just coming out today, recording this on Friday morning. Muse, a Clemson product drafted by the Raiders. He then went on to play for the Seahawks primarily in a special teams role, played 70% of special teams snaps for the Seahawks last season. So I'd imagine the Steelers will use Tanner Muse in a special teams role, considering the Steelers already have Minka Fitzpatrick. They already have DeMonta Casey, and they also just signed Keanu Neal, the thumper as well. So I think this provides Muse the opportunity to get back into his career uh, to try to see, hey, can you prove, can you learn from the best Minka Fitzpatrick and all pro one year prove it deal? A player, I think, will play a special teams role for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Meanwhile, for Watts, Watts started 12 games last season, and the Steelers now have a bit of depth at the defensive line position. You've got Cam Hayward, Larry Ogunjobi, two established veterans. who are continuing to get older, though, so you need to keep them fresh. But fresh, Watts will get into the mix, though, with Montrevious Adams, DeMarvin Leal, Brandon Fajoko as well a player the Steelers signed earlier this offseason, but 12 starts last season. Pittsburgh still could maybe get a late-round draft guy, but this, to me, single signals with the signing of Watts and Fajoko that the Steelers probably aren't going to go interior defensive line in the NFL draft unless there's someone there who falls to them that they just have to take. But Watts played in all 17 games last year. All 17 games the year before, 16 games in 2020. He only had a sack. He had 35 tackles for the Bears last season. But again, the Steelers now at least have a little bit more depth up front. The true blue chippers, though, Cam Hayward, Larry Ogunjobi, you've got to keep them fresh because if you want the defense to continue to have success, it all starts with the interior up front. Both players, you know, Cam Hayward now, he, he's gotten better and better in his career this past year where it's like the first year where it's like, has he had a bit of regression? Father time is undefeated and Cam Hayward is 33 years old right now. By the time the season gets underway, Hayward will be 34. So he's getting a little bit older, still playing at a very, very high level, but without Cam Hayward, this defense would be very, very different. You got to keep him healthy. You got to keep him fresh and rotate out the linemen. Play the guy who's hot, play the guy who's fresh, and I think the signing of Watts allows the Steelers to do that. So, again, the wrath of Khan continuing on. He's been very, very aggressive in free agency. The Steelers' new GM, Omar Khan, I'm referencing. A little bit of a Star Trek reference there, too. So, wrath of Khan now, not just a Star Trek reference, also a Pittsburgh Steelers reference. I like when he's been aggressive, and I cannot wait to see what the Steelers do in this month's draft, we are now less than two weeks away as well, 13 days away from the first round of the draft on April the 27th in Kansas City, Missouri. So very excited to see what the Steelers do 
come later this month in the draft where they've got three picks in the top 49. 17, 32, and number 49 are the Steelers' first three selections. Very, very exciting stuff there. I think this is signaling the Steelers are going to go after two positions. Get Kenny Pickett a bodyguard, an offensive tackle, or to say, let's go get a stud cornerback and you can learn from under Patrick Peterson. You can learn from Minka Fitzpatrick and have an elite level secondary, a secondary that can then match up with the Ravens, who we'll talk about a little bit later in this show. And also the Cincinnati Bengals, two teams in your division who you know, especially the Bengals. The Bengals have a high-flying offense, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and company. So I'll leave that there. Today's episode of the Believe in Steelers show brought to you by betonline.ag. They'll take care of all of your gambling needs this offseason. You can gamble on a lot with the draft. There's a bunch of Odell Beckham Jr. prop bets that you'll be able to bet on as well. Uh, NHL, Stanley Cup playoffs. The NBA playoffs getting underway as well. So if you have a bet on any of the action, betonline.ag will take care of you. Head over to the website today. Use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V. You can see that on your screen right now to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right. Steelers have released outside linebacker Jameer Jones. This to me signals something is up. And I mentioned corner and offensive line as potential targets for the Steelers in the draft. Think outside linebacker will be another position considering you have good players in TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. But beyond that, the Steelers don't have a lot of depth. Now remember, Malik Reed is now a member of the Miami Dolphins. The only other player you really have at outside linebacker is Quincy Roche on the roster. So you don't have a lot of outside linebacker depth. Alex Highsmith's in a contract season, so he's going to command a high salary. I can't help but wonder if Bud Dupree is still on the table for the right price, but he's probably going to want more money than the Steelers can provide. So considering all of this, I think this signals to me that the Steelers have identified some outside linebackers in the draft maybe not in the first or second rounds, but maybe third round and so forth to make sure that you're in position to where if Alex Highsmith leaves next offseason, you're in a decent position. Now, Steelers could also franchise tag Alex Highsmith if he plays at a high level. I thought in 2022, Highsmith played at a Pro Bowl level. But this release of Jameer Jones was surprising to me considering that the Steelers re-signed him in February. And now that they've released him. So they've probably identified several players in the draft who can help fill this void and who can help make sure, yes, you want TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith on the field as much as possible. I also want to see TJ Watt play a full 17 game season. When he did not play and was injured this past year, you saw a huge difference. And even though he wasn't a hundred percent when he came back, it made all the difference in the world for Pittsburgh. So I think that this release of Jones signals to me that the Steelers have a plan later this month in the drafts. I would be very surprised if they don't draft an outside linebacker or if there's another free agency move or trade out there. The release to me signals that the Steelers have a plan. And I will say this too. Steelers have no problems drafting and developing young outside linebackers. This is a position where the Steelers excel at, but 
the Steelers want to bring back Bud Dupree, that salary he's commanded of $15, $20 million, somewhere in that range per season. Steelers won't provide that figure. I know that he's not worth that because the Titans cut him outright. Dupree hasn't been able to stay healthy. I I said this earlier on this show. I think the Steelers could bring back Bud Dupree, but you don't bring him back unless it's a very, very team-friendly deal, but you could sign him to a one- or two-year deal, and he could then go on and get another big contract if he performs at a high level. He might not want to play in a supplementary role to Highsmith and Watt, though, as well. Dupree's used to being out on the field when he's healthy, and when he's playing at a high level, that's the reason why he could command a multi-year contract with the Titans, but when he doesn't put up the production, when he's not out on the field healthy – That's the reason he's on the free agent market now. Shifting gears here, the family of Dwayne Haskins have filed a civil lawsuit. And the lawsuit claims that Haskins was drugged and blackmailed before his death. So I went and I put my journalism hat on. I requested the full 26-page civil lawsuit from the attorney representing Haskins family. So to bring you up to speed with all of this, the Broward County Medical Examiner's report found that Haskins blood alcohol content level was two and a half times the legal limit in Florida when he was hit and killed. A urine test also showed ketamine was in his system at the time of his death. He was attempting to cross a highway in search of gas. His rental car had run out of gas at 6 a.m. in the morning. And it was a 1994 truck that Haskins. Now, this lawsuit is claiming that there were several cars on the highway that were able to get out of the way of Haskins and that for whatever reason, this truck was not able to. So let me give you a little bit more details about this release as well. Uh, This happened on April 9th, 2022 on Interstate 595 in Broward County, Florida. And the truck driver hit Dwayne with the front left side of his truck. Um, and there are several things that, that are, you know, question marks here. And the report also confirms that before Dwayne was killed, there were multiple other drivers who were driving in front of and behind the dump truck that saw Dwayne on the roadway and avoided hitting him. A uh, few drivers even had time to call 911 and were present before Dwayne was hit. This is all according to the lawsuit filed on behalf of Dwayne Haskins filed by Isley Law. And so this lawsuit also goes on to name several different people. It named um, several things. Uh, The suit claimed the Wyndham Garden Hotel in Boca Raton, Florida, three other establishments that Haskins visited in the hours before his death, Drive Shack in West Palm Beach, Blue Anchor Pub in Delray Beach, 11 Nightclub in Miami, The suit charges the businesses with allowing Patrons to use drugs and drug other Patrons, including Haskins. Um, Also, it claims that this 1994 truck uh, did not um, have thorough inspections. So this lawsuit, we will see how it plays out, what they're demanding. It's a civil lawsuit. So let me quickly explain the burden of proof much lower in a civil case compared to a criminal case. Crimes, you must prove beyond a reasonable doubt. That's the burden of proof. That's the standard of proof. 
In a civil case, it's the preponderance of evidence. So just a scintilla above 50%, and that's the burden of proof in a, uh, in a, in a civil case. And so we will see how all of this, uh, all of this plays out. But again, the truck was a 1994 truck. The suit alleges that the truck driver struck Haskins, was driving carelessly and above the speed limit. Uh, the driver also refused a breathalyzer or a blood test to see if there was anything in the driver's system. Um, it also charges the owner of the truck um, is named in this lawsuit as well, uh, as well as the Florida Department of Transportation for obstructing visibility with the construction sign, not having proper lighting. Um, Dwayne Haskins, it, it's really, really sad just considering drafted by Washington and comes over from the Steelers. He was only 24 years old, still has his whole life ahead of him. So this lawsuit is demanding that this go to trial, how that gets sorted out. Maybe they'll come to a settlement. This is something that we will continue to cover just in light of what's happened nearly a, a year ago now. And we'll see how all of this plays out, but some really, really, Grim details, if I'm being frank. And it also says that where Haskins rented his rental car from, it was an ace rental car franchise, is saying that the car was mechanically damaged, which led Haskins to run out of gas. Um, again, you know, Haskins on the road two and a half times the legal limit and with uh, ketamine in his system, just a, a, a grim, grim details about everything that happened and we'll see how all of this plays out so one to keep you up to speed again it is a 26 page lawsuit anyone watching this in the comments if you have questions i could do my best to try to answer them i am not a lawyer i am a reporter and again i have looked through the 26 page civil lawsuit filed on behalf of haskins and his family so just want to put all of those things out there in terms of what this lawsuit is alleging but again, very grim details, and we'll see how this plays out. If they go to trial, if they reach a settlement, we'll see what happens there. Moving back to football, the Baltimore Ravens have signed Odell Beckham Jr. to a one-year deal worth up to $18 million, be $15 million guaranteed. And the petty Steelers fan in me says this. The Ravens got another target for Tyler Huntley, pro bowler. Tyler Huntley. Now, I'll say this. A trio of Rashad Bateman, Odell Beckham Jr., and Mark Andrews should be troublesome. Bateman's a cold-weather receiver. is a guy that Ike and I really liked coming out of the draft out of Minnesota. And we'll see if Beckham can get his career back on track. Beckham hasn't played a full season since 2019 when he was with the Cleveland Browns. And speaking of the Browns, I cannot wait to see OBJ go against his former team considering the bad blood that was there when he was a member of the Cleveland Browns. So I can't wait to see how all of this plays out. And OBJ with his dad saying how Baker Mayfield missed his son on so many different throws and posting that YouTube video. Can't wait to see how all this plays out. But in theory, the Ravens get a very good target and they try to get their passing game back on tack. Remember the Ravens are going to have a new offensive coordinator this year because Greg Roman, who got all of this praise when the Ravens were running over pretty much any team that tried to stop them, 
They were very one-dimensional, and the Ravens haven't had the playoff success that they would have liked. And let me say this, too. It's amazing how all this Lamar Jackson situation plays out, whether this will have any impact on whether Lamar returns to Baltimore. But remember, let's be honest here. Lamar Jackson saved John Harbaugh's job in Baltimore. Things were sputtering. Joe Flacco was at the end of his run, and the Ravens put Jackson in as a rookie, and they were able to get to the playoffs. They didn't do much when they were there, but then that second season, Lamar Jackson goes on and wins the MVP. So we'll see how all of this plays out, but I will say this. A trio of OBJ, Rashad Bateman, and Mark Andrews, in theory, should be very good, let alone the running game that we know that the Ravens have when Lamar is healthy, when J.K. Dobbins has it going. This is a good move considering it's a one-year prove-it deal and OBJ can then try to see if he can get one last big contract beyond the season, whether that's in Baltimore or elsewhere. When OBJ was playing in the Super Bowl before he got hurt with the ACL injury, he was doing his thing. And I do think he's the type of player who we've been robbed of seeing perform at the highest level considering his talent in this league. So I like this move for the Ravens. Not too worried about it from Pittsburgh's standpoint because we still don't know how the Lamar situation will play out. And congratulations to you, Tyler Huntley. Some over-unders for OBJ for prop bets, these courtesy of betonline.ag. Reception totals 67 and a half. Total receiving yards, 800 and a half. Total receiving touchdowns, six. Total game play, games played, only 12 and a half. So I would say probably take the over, considering it's a contract season. OBJ's got to prove that he can stay healthy. I'll take the over on games played. Not sure about touchdowns because I don't know who his quarterback is going to be. If OBJ's playing at least 13 games, I'd imagine he could get more than 800 yards receiving. So I would, I would take the over on that as well. Receptions, that one I would just stay away from. So I'd take the over on both receiving yards and games played, considering it's a one-year prove-it deal in Baltimore. Okay, now let's go to the Steelers' pre-draft visits. Steelers had several. They posted West Virginia receiver Bryce Ford Wheaton, Bowling Green defensive end Carl Brooks, top cornerback Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon, someone who absolutely showed out and showed his athletic ability at the NFL Combine. Also, uh, Darius Rush out of South Carolina, Keon White, Georgia Tech, Tyreek Stevenson, someone I asked Ike about a few weeks back on the Believe in Steelers show when Ike scouted at the Miami Pro Day, uh, Saki Ika out of Baylor, Osiris Torrance out of Florida, Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma. Just yesterday, um, let me see here, just a second. Yesterday was Bryce Ford Wheaton and Carl Brooks. Uh, Hootie Ricketson out of Missouri and Bo Ricketson out of Oklahoma. The reason I mention these names, keep these names in mind, come later this month at the draft. I know the Steelers have hosted Julius Brents out of Kansas State, the cornerback as well. A lot of size. He's a name I've seen associated a little bit with the Steelers. Brents, the Kansas State cornerback as well. And I'll say this too. With the Steelers drafting at 17, if Joey Porter Jr. is there, I think it would make a lot of sense. And he could learn from under Patrick Peterson, who's been an all-pro pro bowler, Minka Fitzpatrick, who's been an all-pro pro bowler. 
I think it would make a lot of sense. And the Steelers are very family oriented. You've got the Watt family. You've got the Hayward family. You've got the Edmonds family. You have a lot of siblings. You have a lot of familial ties. I think it would make a lot of sense in the world to bring in Joey Porter Jr. who knows what the standard is considering what his dad did for the Steelers back in the day as a Super Bowl champion playing at the highest level as an edge rusher in this league. That would be terrific. And you've got a Penn State connection nearby Pittsburgh as well. They could make all the sense in the world where if he's there at 17, it's going to be awfully tough to pass up. It's going to be awfully tough to pass up. Let me give you my top five quarterbacks in the draft. The Steelers don't need one with Kenny Pickett. Start with C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State, 6'3", 214, your prototypical passer, playing with a lot of talented receivers. Know the knock on Ohio State quarterbacks, but you could have said the same thing about, say, hey, Joe Burrow playing with talented receivers at LSU. I've seen someone of Stroud's build have success in the league, which is why I have him at one. And it's also why I'm going to put Anthony Richardson at number two, 6'4", 240, a 4'4", 40-yard dash, Size and speed creating defensive mismatches, forcing defenses to play 11 on 11 and honest 11 on 11. Richardson, I think, would benefit from sitting underneath an established veteran and learning early on. So if that's the Panthers, the Panthers have Andy Dalton. If that's, say, at number five, the Seahawks, if he falls all the way there, learn from underneath Geno Smith and Pete Carroll. If he goes to Detroit, you've got Jared Goff there too. If you draft Anthony Richardson, Sure, he could start right away, but Richardson doesn't have a ceiling. He might not have a floor either. Don't start him till he's ready. If he goes to the right coaching staff, the right coordinator, and the right personnel, I think that's how he achieves success. Mark, why do you have Bryce Young at number three? You need five certified bodyguards in front of him for him to have success. That's how he will achieve success in the NFL. So if you have a good line, he can be very good. But when we talk about the Russell Wilsons of the world, when we talk about the Drew Brees of the world, they are the exception, not the norm when it comes to success at the quarterback position for undersized QBs. And I think more of Tua than I do Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson is thick. And Bryce Young, yes, you can see the pocket presence. You're meaning to tell me he doesn't have a stud offensive line at Alabama and I know if he were, say, 6'4", 220, Bryce Young would be the top pick in the draft. And right now, he is the favorite to go number one overall to the Panthers. So I say, okay, the Panthers who drafted NC State's Iki Aquanu in the first round last year, do you have four other studs who could help keep Young upright to have success? You have Frank Wright, an offensive mind, Jim Caldwell, uh, Josh McCown, a lot of good offensive minds in that Carolina building. But it's not just the player. I think the fit is a lot more important when it comes to the quarterback position and the success of young quarterbacks in this league. Not so much who is the individual talent. I think fit is a lot more important. What a player brings to a franchise. Not every player is going to be, say, a Peyton Manning or an Andrew Luck or a Joe Burrow, someone who can transcend a franchise. If you have a strong organization from the get-go, that's going to help young quarterbacks achieve success. Bryce Young is going to need that from day one. Because for every, say, Russell Wilson or Drew Brees, I could point to a Johnny Manziel. Who are the other young quarterbacks, uh, uh, undersized quarterbacks, 5'10 and below? 
And you could say, Mark, what about Kyler Murray? Kyler Murray is a way different quarterback because he runs around. He's a lot more mobile than Bryce Young is. So that's why I've got Bryce Young at three. It's not that he can't have success. It's just I've seen a lot more success at QB for guys that are 6'3 and 6'4. That's just the honest truth. I've got Kentucky's Will Levis at number four. I think we're sleeping on him a little bit. Cannon arm and no one was talking about Justin Herbert coming off a huge Rose Bowl in 2020. And it was all the hype about Burrow and Tua. And Herbert could end up being the best of the bunch. I'm not saying he will. I'd take Burrow over him right now. But no one was talking about Herbert. He goes to the Chargers and we all fell in love because he can make every throw. If Levis goes to the right system where there's strong personnel and strong skill position players around him, that's how he achieves success. And now you could say, Mark, you're saying things that could be true of any quarterback. But what I'm trying to do is paint a picture for each of these prospects for how they can achieve success once they get to the league. I would take Kendon Hooker out of Tennessee at number five. The concern with him, 25 years old, coming off a season-ending ACL entry. How much can he really develop considering he's already 25? He's not, he's not young. But you've got size with both Levis and Hooker that you don't have with Bryce Young. That you don't have with Bryce Young. We'll see how all of this plays out. Two other topics to get to. This was a great tweet by Jamil Dean who is a cornerback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He tweeted out, he says, if each of the 32 teams use their fastest defensive back, linebacker, running back, and wide receiver, who would win in a 4 by 100 relay? I like us to win. Every team is going to say that they like themselves to win. Cracks me up. But if I have to pick, I'm going with the Miami Dolphins. Here's why. You've got Jalen Ramsey, cornerback position stud. Raheem Mostert, very, very fast running back. Jalen Phillips, who I'm going to say is an outside linebacker, ran a 4-5 in the 40 when he was coming out of the draft. Stud out of uh, the U, so he stays in Miami. And you've got the guy who goes by the name of Cheetah and Tyreek Hill. Give me the Miami Dolphins in this 4-by-100-meter relay, and I'll cash my winnings at betonline.ag. I was going to ask Ike about this. I've got Ike at the DB position because he could fly. Willie Parker from the Steelers still think has the longest touchdown in Super Bowl history. Linebacker, I was going to ask Ike about. But then wide receiver, I was thinking, okay, is it AB? Is it Santonio Holmes? From what I've read on the internet, and the internet never lies, Mike Wallace would be the fastest uh, in a Steelers uniform, at least among the players that Ike played with and against. So... Whenever we get Ike on the show, I'll ask him about this. Finally, YouTube has revealed its NFL Sunday ticket pricing. And if you're a YouTube TV subscriber, it's $349 per season, $389 bundled with Red Zone and the great Scott Hansen. If you're not a YouTube TV subscriber, $449 per season, $489 bundled with Red Zone. I want to say this if you think that this is too expensive. If you sign up between now and June 6th, and I'm not paid by the NFL to say this, you can save yourself 100 bucks. We spend $20 a week on things we don't need. If you think this is too expensive, I got to disagree with you. I think it's a great value to be able to watch your team from wherever, from a device, from your phone, to cast to your TV, on your laptop when you're on your go, on your tablet. 
The accessibility that this is going to be able to provide football fans is very exciting. And I, I wish it was a model that other leagues copied. I know we've had NBA league pass for forever. Uh, college football is pretty much accessible as long as you have, you know, you can watch ESPN and the SEC network and the different networks of the conferences. Make the game more accessible to fans. That's the name of the game. I bring this up from time to time, and we've talked to the great Lee Steinberg here on this program on the Believe in Steelers show. He's the guy that the movie Jerry Maguire is based off of. He's Patrick Mahomes' agent. He always brings this up. This past year in 2022, the top 100 watch broadcasts on television, according to the Nielsen ratings, 82 of the top 100 were the NFL. And if you consider all other sports, it's more than 90. So add five more with college football. You've got the Olympics. You've got a few other big events each year. 82 of the top 100 watch broadcasts in 2022 were the NFL. If that doesn't show our country's obsession with the NFL, I don't know what does. And I'm glad that this is available on YouTube TV now because I'll be able to watch the league anywhere. And that's what happens after Sunday ticket is no longer exclusively with direct TV as well. So I'm very, very excited about this to where I can watch the Steelers or any other team for 17 weeks out of the year. You do the math and divide it. And again, if you sign up before June 6, save yourself a hundred bucks. You're welcome. You can tell the Mark Bergen sent you. I want to thank you guys for watching and listening to the Believe in Steelers show. Please tap that subscribe button. We're going to have a lot of great interviews in the coming weeks between now and the rest of the off season, the draft here later this month too. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast, please subscribe and give us a five-star review. If it's funny, I'll read it on this show as well. Thank you so much to all of you for taking the time today. Hope all of you have great weekends. We'll be back next week, breaking down what you need to know ahead of the NFL draft. Take care. Have a great weekend. So long, everyone. Thanks for listening. Again, my name is Mark Bergen, and I'll see you next week. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.